right, you may be seated. Welcome if you're visiting with us today. Woo. Welcome if you're visiting with us. This is a jam-packed service today, which is it's really exciting, actually. I, I think it reflects that as a community, you know, it's been it's been a challenging couple of years and continuing just to kind of reiterate that. And however that affected each of us individually, you know, there's a lot of variation in that. But uh, I find it hard to find anybody that's just like, no, it didn't affect me at all. It didn't affect me at all. Like everything was, I would, everything was just perfect. Um, so we are coming back out of that as a community as well. Uh, and that is, that is really a joyous occasion for us. And so it's awesome. Um, awesome. Like there's a little Irish jig action in the worship set today, which, which I really appreciated. Also happy St. Patrick's day, uh, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, thank you all for being here today. Today's text is a particularly challenging one, especially in the final verse. So with this in mind, we're just going to jump straight into the word God has given us so that we can better understand God and how he relates to us, to his world. If you would please turn with me to Exodus chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. This is part of a continuing series we are doing through the book of Exodus that will take us all the way up until Easter. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's page 46. Uh, those verses will also be projected on the screen behind me. Beginning in a chapter 7 of Exodus, verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when the Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh and it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord said. Some of you are already aware of the challenges in this text. Others are not. Today, we are going to start with the simpler truth present in these verses and build to the harder ones. If you are someone that can't wait to work through a challenging 
theological issue, you'll have to be patient for a few minutes. I don't know how many of, of you there are in here, but there are some. To start, we see in this text that humans are capable of doing some pretty amazing things. We are gifted with the capacity to build and create by God. When I look around the world, there are many examples that I could point to of things that blow my mind. I could pull out my phone right now and call someone on the other side of the world. That is amazing. You know, something I'm amazed by that I'm actually really glad I don't have to be amazed by again anytime soon. I'm amazed that a snowblower can throw snow like 25 to 30 feet. Every time I blow snow, I'm like, wow, look at, look at that. That's amazing. What modern medicine can do defies the imagination. Recently, I've been learning a lot about ventricular assist devices or VADs. These devices are an implantable mechanical pump that helps pump blood from the lower chambers of your heart, the ventricles, to the rest of your body. A VAD is used in people who have weakened hearts or heart failure. That is, that is actually insane. People with deadly heart failure can actually be kept alive for months or even years. There's a guy named David Price, still alive today, that first started using the technology on May 26th. 2004. Wow, that's awesome. Technology feels miraculous. While these verses report on events 3,500 years in the past, Pharaoh's wise men and sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt, they were capable of some pretty cool tricks themselves. Somehow they were able to turn their staffs into snakes. The Bible doesn't make clear how this happens. Some Hebrew scholars argue the words used to describe these guys implies that they were illusionists. They were the David Bain or David Copperfield of their day. They figured out how to do a really cool magic trick with probably a flash and a bang of some sort. And the next thing you would know, there'd be a snake slithering around. Whatever secret arts these guys have, it is clear they're not doing the same thing God is through Moses. The results appear similar, but the mechanism is different. The Egyptian priests have used their God-given ability in service of the illusion that Pharaoh is comparable to God. God commands Moses. Pharaoh commands his magicians. The results are the same. The logical result Pharaoh wants everyone to draw is that he and the Lord are the same. Unfortunately, People often use the creative ability God has given us to try to establish equality with God, to replace him or even to overcome him. 
Prior to these verses in Exodus, people have already done this multiple times in the Bible in some famous ways. The guy who is credited with building the first city in the Bible is a guy named Lamech. He's not a good guy. Building a city is an outworking of the giftedness God has bestowed on him. The text makes clear Lamech's efforts are all about himself, though. He even sings a song glorifying himself, his own power and wrath. Lamech is his own God. A few chapters later in Genesis, the people of Babel, they try to build a tower to heaven. The point of the story is not actually that they're going to reach heaven. The point of the story is the thought processes that led to the attempt. They did it for their own glory. They did it to replace God. They didn't want him in the picture. In today's verses, the priests of Pharaoh are doing what others have attempted before. They're using their abilities in an attempt to establish equality with God. They are used to being able to impress people with their capacity. If you've ever seen one of those magician shows on TV where the magician goes around and does the little street tricks and you see different people that they run into on the street react to these different illusions that they are doing. And even as modern people, you see people just, they're, they're blown away by the whole thing. Now imagine a similar sort of thing happening when you're a peasant that's been working from a far, on a farm your whole life, you're coming into Pharaoh's court and he's having these magicians, these priests, do these amazing trip, tricks. These peasants would be falling down in awe before Pharaoh. So this is what Pharaoh and his magicians try to do with Aaron and Moses, but they, they have failed to take into account an unprecedented variable. Their audience isn't some peasant that needs to be scared into submission. They're not even dealing with another human being. Moses and Aaron stand before them, yes. But they are actually having a confrontation with the living God. God is not particularly impressed with their capacity. He is the one that gave them their abilities. Human attempts to establish equality or superiority over God always end poorly. I cannot help but chuckle a bit when God makes clear to people people that are not me, how inferior their attempts to establish equality with him are. In response to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. So far, so good. You can almost picture the look of smug satisfaction on these guys' faces. They're like, what? 
We can make snakes too. Check that out. So what if Moses made a snake? And their heads, they are singing whatever the Egyptian equivalent is of the song, Anything You Can Do. You know, the song from the Broadway musical, Annie, Get Your Gun. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can't. No, you can't. Yes, I can't. God's no, you can't is a little different. Takes the form of an object lesson. Aaron's staff, which had turned into a snake, swallowed up the priest's staffs, which had also turned into snakes. That had to be a disconcerting development for the Egyptians, right? I think if I were Moses and Aaron in this situation, I would have like had to turn my back because I would have been cracking up, but it's not an appropriate situation to laugh, right? While I may find this entertaining, God's not trying to make anybody laugh. The point here is obvious. God's power is greater than Pharaoh's power. It's not particularly close. Part of the disconnect from God that you see in our world is related to all the things that we are capable of. Every person has a tendency to be like Pharaoh's priests. In the past, people's ability to manipulate their world, to control it, was extremely limited. Only a few had any ability to do it at all. Most people were farmers. Farmers needed rain. Rain was supplied by God. Farmers today still need rain, but most people are not farmers. For those that are, there are weather forecasters that can predict the weather. Even if if a farmer loses a crop due to unfavorable weather, they are not going to die of starvation. They may go bankrupt, they will still be alive, as will their children. Modern farming is a good thing. It's a good thing that God has given us the ability to develop as our other technologies, whether they be ventricular assist devices or any of the infinite amount of things we are capable of doing in our world. But the technological tricks that are so common to our world, do decrease the felt need for God. They can make people alive today think that humans are equal to God, that we don't need him, or even that we have surpassed him. Being like Pharaoh's priests is an intellectual tendency modern people need to be wary of. We are not even aware of the extent to which our technological capabilities affect the way we engage with God. God gets circumscribed to the narrow slice of life that humans have not developed the capacity to address. Often he gets outright ignored. When the human creative capacity is used to disregard or diminish God, 
he will make it clear how limited our capacities are in relation to his own. The modern technological tricks we build our life around will be shown inferior to God's own capacity. His power will consume any human power just as the snake of God in today's verses consumed Pharaoh's snake. The situation with the snakes was an act of judgment by God for Pharaoh's defiance. It was a warning that God's power will destroy any human power that stands against it. God's show of power is given as a warning to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh doesn't change his position. In fact, the warning hardens Pharaoh's resolve. The final verse we read says, Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. A hard heart and not listening go together. Instead of the words and actions God communicates through Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh, causing him to reconsider the path he is on, they increase his resolve. Apparently, seeing his power literally consumed by God was not sufficient warning. All the tragic events that ensue in Egypt are a product of Pharaoh's belligerence. If he could have just changed course, none of the plagues that followed would have happened. The Nile would not have turned to blood. The land would not have been overrun with frogs, lice, or flies. Pestilence, boil, hail, locusts, and darkness would have been avoided. The firstborn of Egypt would not have died. Judgment, which is intended by God to correct the delusional path a person is on, often hardens the human heart. The most common form of judgment from God is that he allows people to reap would they have sown? We have all experienced this in our own lives and seen this sort of judgment with friends and family. The greedy person ends up bankrupt. The adulterer finds themselves alone. The workaholic gets fired. And the parent who idolized their child doesn't have a relationship with that child. It is common for God's judgment to result in a negative response from those who experience it. Instead of repentance towards God, there is rage directed at God. God gets blamed for human shortcomings, which create further separation from God and further sin. 
One of the most difficult questions people ask when they read the verses we read today and others that will follow in the coming weeks is, who is responsible for the state of Pharaoh's heart? Is Pharaoh himself responsible? Or is God responsible? There's scriptural evidence for both. In verse 3, God says, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. In verse 13, it says, still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. This back and forth continues as the story progresses. Exodus 8.15, 32, and 9.34 report Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Exodus 7, 8, 19, and 9, 7 tell us Pharaoh's heart became hard or was hard. In Exodus 9, 12, 34, 10, 20, 10, 27, and 11, 10, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. The varying proclamations regarding the hardness of Pharaoh's heart, they do not conflict. In his commentary on Exodus, John Calvin writes, God willed that Pharaoh should perniciously resist Moses in order that the deliverance of the people might be more conspicuous. There is, however, no need of discussing at length the manner in which God hardens reprobates as often as this expression occurs. Let us hold fast what I've already observed, that they are but poor speculators who refer it to a mere bare permission. Because if God, by blinding their minds or hardening their hearts, inflicts deserved punishment upon the sinner, he not only permits them to do what they themselves please, but actually executes a judgment which he knows to be just. R.C. Sproul makes a similar point in his book, Chosen by God. He writes, all that God has to do, this is a little bit more easy to wrap our minds around, all that God has to do to harden people's hearts is to remove the restraints. He gives them a longer leash. Rather than restricting human freedom, he increases it. He lets them have their own way. In a sense, he gives them enough rope to hang themselves. It is not that God puts his hand on them to create fresh evil in their hearts. He merely removes his holy hand of restraint from them and lets them do their own will. God's just judgment, instead of leading to repentance, hardens Pharaoh's heart. God knows this will be the case. Because he knows Pharaoh's heart better than Pharaoh himself does. Pharaoh's hard heart is not a surprise to God. He had told Moses and Aaron this is how it would play out. In the coming weeks, we're going to be exploring the cause and effect nature of God and Pharaoh's interactions. Before we do that, let's be clear about something. Human resistance to God's power doesn't negatively affect God's glory. God's greatness is highlighted 
through his overcoming the powers of this world that oppose him. However great the defiance of God in the world is, God's power is that much greater. Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world at the time. The absoluteness of God's power will be proven when Pharaoh is overcome. There are many powers in our world with hearts that are hardened in resistance to God. A day will come when those powers will fall before God. God's greatness is manifest in overcoming the powers of this world. As with many of you, I've been thinking about this in recent weeks with events going on in our world, with events going on in Ukraine. And what I can say with confidence is the powers of this world that operate in defiance of God's goodness and defiance of his justice, they will ultimately fall. While humans can do some pretty amazing things, there is a limit to what we can do. The priests of Pharaoh can make snakes seemingly come out of nowhere. Modern people have all sorts of tricks up our sleeves as well. Using our God-given capacity is a good thing. Using it to resist God is not. While our capacity is astounding, we cannot use it to circumvent God's purposes. There is no tower we can build, no learning we can attain, and no nation we can construct that can compete with the Lord God Almighty. Even the hardened heart of the most powerful man in the world cannot derail God's plan for his people and his glory. God will be glorified. His purposes will prevail. The question that determines every individual's outcomes is whether we will respond to God with hardness of heart or whether we will repent. Let's pray. Dear Lord, this is a hard text. It's hard for us to consider the the challenges that come with being in this world and and the fact that we are so often tempted to think as pharaoh thought that we are our own powers that we are our own gods and that we can overcome the lord god of all creation we are all tempted to think that in different ways and we're all forced to acknowledge the foolishness of that thinking at different times I pray, Lord, that we would see that you are truly the Lord Almighty, and that we would respond to that with humbleness and repentance. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.